as well. If you want to check up on the activities, they're also listed on the back of the folder. And for the week, we have the uh, 1030, uh, says 11.15. Have they moved the adult Bible study? I didn't, it's I didn't not going to meet in 303, though. It's going to meet in 305. Oh, There's okay. There's no meeting in 303. Okay, they'll be meeting in 305 after this service. IHOP Bible study is on Monday at 7.30, and the men's Tuesday morning study here in the sanctuary at 7.30. Men's Bible study is Wednesday and Friday at 6 a.m. Yes? Yeah, it's it, the service is at 10. Yeah. Okay. All right. Every week, the shelf out there in the lobby for you is to drop off food donations. And uh, right above that, some ec extra bottles for the Treehouse Ministries min min uh, program that we do for several years now. And we still have an opportunity to pick up the schedule to either read the whole Bible this year or the New Testament. And once again, the congregational dinner meeting will be February 4th. And it's not going to be at 10, 11, 45. We're going to have a service at 10. One service at 10. And right after the service, we're going to have our meal and then our meeting. Okay. If you didn't hear that, 10 o'clock service on the 4th, one service only, and the dinner meeting will follow that right after. Isaiah 51.16 says, And I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundation of the earth. I am the one who said to Israel, You are my people. As you're able, please rise and join us as we open our worship with the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. 
Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and the peace that endureth, thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. May be seated. The Bible tells us clearly that all of us are sinners, but it also clearly states that we can, our sins can be forgiven if we confess them and change our, change our activities, I guess. Join me now in a prayer of confession. Sovereign Lord, we come to you embarking on a new year, which usually means a new start, a refreshed look and a new enthusiasm to make things different. However, we confess that we have allowed disillusionment, discouragement, and doubt to fill our hearts. As you present us with new opportunities to be different and do new things, our faith sags. Our attention has become fixated on the negative circumstances and the doubts in our abilities and gifts you have given. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you our rock and deliverer. When faced with hard or difficult challenges, give us endurance. When fear of failure looms in our minds, help us dig deep and reach for you to deposit in us your gift of faith that refuses to throw in the towel. As we move forward in this year, continue to reinforce in us that this is all about you, working in and through us. In Christ our Savior's name we pray this. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness comes from the 103rd Psalm. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him, as great as the height of the heavens above the earth, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Our guidelines for living from 1 Corinthians 15. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Once again, as you're able, please rise and join us as we continue our worship.
refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Purify my heart, cleanse me from within, and make me holy. Purify my heart, cleanse me from my sin deep within refiner's fire my heart's one desire is to be holy set apart for you Lord I choose to be apart for you, my master, ready to do your So 
seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we are so grateful for this opportunity to worship you in the warmth of this building and in the fellowship of your love. And I praise you, God, for the opportunity also to, Lord, to live every day for your glory. Lord, we give you not only these offerings as a thank you, but we give you our lives with joy and pleasure of serving you, who brings us contentment and joy and peace in our lives. In your name we pray, Christ. Amen. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast And our eternal home A thousand ages in thy sight Are like an evening gone Short as the watch that ends the night Before the rising sun Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream lies at the opening day. Well, I'm thankful for you folks as we continue to come before our God and worship Him in prayer um, and what God has going on in our congregation and people with illness and stuff. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, today we are so grateful to be here in your presence. But also, too, Lord, we want to bring to you those that we love and those that we're concerned about. That every day, Lord, they sit at home, they battle issues, they struggle. And, Lord, we think of them. We think of Lucille and for Joyce, um, who are both Shuddens and Karen. We think particularly of Joyce today, who lost a grandson of nine years old. And we pray for her, especially in her family, as they grieve that tremendous loss in their lives. I think, Lord, of a lot of things that happen in life, but when children die, it's very difficult for us to understand and sometimes know. I pray, Lord, for the family. I pray also to Heavenly Father for Howard's daughters, Mindy and Sherry, and their hearts. I think of Howard Long, too, and Betty Long, uh, for Howard, who's got more spots in his brain again, and for Betty, um, who now is going to get some CT scans and whatnot, and has been having problems breathing with her lungs. We just pray that you'll bring healing to her. 
I pray also too, Father God, for all our students that are going to school every day and that are in colleges. Lord, watch over them, protect them. We pray also too, especially for Nick, who is now headed to Oklahoma City today as he begins to journey uh, for his surgery and all the things that need to take place for him. We thank you for the wonderful gift that he is and for you continuing to use him as a witness of your glory and your strength. I pray also too, Lord, for Mr. Mack, who's battling his cancer, for also Everett Long, our brother, and also too, we pray for Samantha Mama and also Jason Stevens, all these who are battling cancers along with Freud Road Armor and for their healing Christ. We pray also too, Lord, I thank you that I uh, got a diagnosis about my hip and I have to have surgery. I just pray everything will go well and there will be no um, uh, complications uh, and for healing to take place quickly. We thank you also too, Lord, for guys in our Bible study. We have some that uh, Bill Rogers, who's battling with his heart and also for Bill Weber and for his back. And also, too, Lord, we pray for a dad, one of the guys who's struggling to stay alive. Lord, just be with them in these closing hours of life. We pray also for Sandra, who's a friend of the family of Tom and Kay, and having a kidney replacement. Lord, just be with her. We pray also, too, Lord, for her plan for her nephew, who graciously is going to give that kidney. We pray for healing and no infection. Father, we pray for our country, too. We love it, and yet we know it's got many flaws. We pray, especially as these elections start heating up and the races come, that, Lord, you'll bring us the person that needs to lead us in this country. I pray also, too, for those who defend our country and those who um, watch over it. Lord, protect them also in the daily tedious job they do of bringing health and happiness and, and peace in our streets. And now, Father, open the door to us to your word and help us to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. A fellow went into a store and he was walked up next to this guy who had this beautiful new hat. And the fellow said, hey, I love your hat. It says, I'm a Jesus people person. And the guy looked at him. He said, oh, this hat I picked up at a garage sale. I like it because it's got a nice color to it. And the fellow tried to talk to him about Jesus. And the guy really didn't want to have anything to do with it. You know, sometimes people wear labels that they're Christians, but really don't understand it. Some understand the Christian faith, but really are backed off to it. It requires too much of a personal relationship with Jesus. But there's also sometimes Christians who give themselves to Christ, but then get lost in the shuffle. I was reading about the David and Louise Turpin. You remember them? Back in 2019, they were arrested because their 13 children were malnourished. They had been in isolation. One of their daughters was 29 years old and only weighed 82 pounds. They were sick. And they covered these children and made them stay in a, basically their prison. Never were able to develop like they should have been able to do. 
And sometimes that's sad with us Christians. Because sometimes we see birth takes place, but then nothing happens afterwards or no growth. And sometimes it happens because Christianity around the world, there's a shallowness to it. There's a lot of beautiful songs. We sing choruses here. But sometimes that's all it is. It's choruses, enthusiasm, emotion. But that's not what God meant it to be. He meant it to be a deep inner relationship with God. And what we need is we need nourishment every day. The Apostle Paul speaks to Timothy now. Because Timothy is going to basically take the baton from Paul. And he's going to lead the church of Ephesus, which is a tough church. And Paul knows how hard it is. You know how hard it is sometimes. You're living out as a Christian in that world. And you speak out about it. See the kind of flack you get. I can tell you one friend that was at Boeing. He was a, basically a leader of a large group of men. And yet when he had a Bible on his desk, he was forced to make a choice. In which he decided to leave Boeing. Because they wanted him to take the, the Bible off his desk. You see, this is the world we're living in and it's closing in. You and I need to be tough and strong and able to deal with it. People are being more bold about their not believing in God today than they've ever been before. Satanic worship is now popular. And we need to be able to protect our kids and our lives and our people. We need to be strong. And Paul comes to Timothy. Now, you know what? We know Paul would never probably, if he was working for the NFL, would have never pulled Timothy out and said, you're my man. But guess what? God's draft said Timothy's the man. But Timothy had a lot of weaknesses. And Paul wants to shore him up. Maybe you sometimes feel embarrassed or afraid to talk about your faith. Let me assure you, Timothy was too. I can tell you when I first started out with my faith also... There were times that I was embarrassed because I was afraid because I was with a group of friends that were non-believers and were Jews. In fact, one time a friend of mine told me, I would not live in, believe in that little bastard. That's what he referred to Jesus as. And so be prepared for it. But we don't have to be strong in ourselves. And this is something as I had learned as I grew in my faith. That it's not about me and what I have inside me that's natural. It's what comes from God through the Holy Spirit that prepares us. And this is what Paul wants Timothy. Because you see, Timothy was number one young. And a lot of times people will blow off a young person and say, oh, their ideas are off the wall. He also was sickly. When people would say things to him, he'd get stomach cramps. He'd get sick because he was afraid. And he was a very timid person. He wasn't the guy who was the confrontational guy. And yet here he's got this congregation and God has assigned him to that. How do you do that when you don't feel good about it? 
Or you don't feel you have the power in yourself to do it. And that's why Paul writes Timothy. Because you see, Paul is in prison right now, and this is his last letter, 2 Timothy. And Paul is getting ready to be executed. And Timothy is his man. And Paul wants Timothy to know what it takes to be a strong and powerful Christian. And it's not an emotional quotient, but it's a spiritual quotient. Look at what he says to him in verses two, 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, and Paul is very personal because he sees Timothy as his friend. Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus, Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me present many witnesses, entrusting those to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Paul wanted Timothy to not be ashamed. He said that last chapter. But he knows how easy it is one can fall into that and get emotionally all tied up inside. And he says, don't do that. Don't try to be strong in yourself. Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. And that means when we're living in the grace of Jesus Christ, we're giving ourselves fully and completely to Christ. And that we're willing to say whatever he puts on our mouths because we want people to understand. And that our strength does not come from ourselves or from our fortitude or our, 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 our toughness. No, it comes from the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Maybe you've had this experience before. But when I first came to know Christ, we were in high school. I came to know Christ as a sophomore, and I really enjoyed my relationship with God. But it was very personal. I didn't share much to many friends. They knew I was different. But then my senior year, there was a little girl in our school, a little pint-sized thing, a little blonde. She said, I'd like to have Bible study with you, Dave, and some of our other friends. Now, you've got to say 75% of our high school was Jewish. 24% was Catholic. And we're 1% Protestant. And here we were, five of us, in this little faculty room with a vice principal who was overseeing, was a Christian. And she said, you know what we need to do? We need to challenge each other. Uh-oh, what's this girl doing? We need to tell our friends about Christ, and we have to be bold about it. Ooh. I was not too thrilled about this. I was kind of shaking my boots a little bit. And then I realized she was right. Later on, I came to understand the bigger way to do evangelism, which is sharing the good news and leaving the results to God by his power of his Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is saying here to Timothy, and that's what he says to you and to me. There are natural times that we will have to share our faith. And there will be times that we can witness. And that it comes from the grace of Christ. Not me having to suck it up and say, man, I better, I better do this. Otherwise, I'm a weenie or I'm, I'm a wimp. No, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to generate the words inside of us to say it. 
That's why Paul, he doesn't say, it's kind of like, you know, if somebody were to go to the hospital and say to a person, you got to start getting up and getting well and running down the hallway when they have cancer and they can't even breathe. That's ridiculous. Paul is not saying that to Timothy. He knows he doesn't have the capability to stand up for his faith on his own. But he's saying to Timothy, God will give you that power to do that very thing. I learned that same thing in my own life. Because now I love sitting down with people or walking in the mall and asking people faith questions and talking to them about their faith. And it comes naturally because it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you, if anybody wants to learn how to share your faith cold turkey, I'd love to take you to the mall and we can have a great time. Just going, hooking up on strangers and talking to them about Jesus. Because it's one of the most natural things you can do as long as you empower yourself with the Holy Spirit. I've got two kids from the school right now that want to go with me. And it's fun. Because you get to hear what people really think about God. And you see, it comes by our strength not being in ourselves or in our fortitude or even in our knowledge. People ask me questions that I, I don't have a clue about. But it's wonderful because it challenges my face so that I can say to them, well, let me look that up and I'll get back with you on that. And it gives me an opportunity to grow in my faith to see how we can answer these questions that people like to pose as roadblocks to them accepting Jesus. One of the things we need to do is <laughs> we need to become fat people. Fat means, number one, A, faithful. A means that we're available for what God has in store for us. And T, teachable. They're willing to learn the intricacies of our faith and learn about God more and more so we can present to the world the true vision of God. You would not believe how many people we run into in the malls and the different ideas they have about God. And they're so confused. Some of them even go to church and they're confused. And we need to be able to speak to them in the truth. And so that's why Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace. There are many pastors who've died in Russia. 500,000, in fact, they estimate over the years for their faith in Jesus Christ. And how they stood for their faith. Why? And how come they stood for their faith? Because they had the grace of Christ. They did not recant. But they stood. And one of the things Paul is saying to Timothy. Now look Timothy. We've got you signed up for the team. Now get on the field. And that's what has to happen with us. We need to get out in the field. And make presentations to people. That they look at our lives and say, what's make you so different? What makes your family so different? And that we're part of the action. You know, it just takes a very few short moments to talk to people. And help them to look at their lives. People that have been put in your life. That you wonder why they're there. <laughs> You know why you run into them? Because it's God appointed time that you speak to them. And you see, we're in the game. God wants you and me in the game. 
And the way this gets around, and notice what Timothy says, these things which you've heard in the presence of witnesses and trust them to faithful men. We're acknowledging Jesus Christ. We're making a public commitment to Him. We're committing our faith to Him and saying, this kind of feels uneasily, but guess what, God? I'm going to do it because I know Your grace is going to carry me through it. You're going to fill my life. And you've given me an identity. You see, that's the beauty of all this. When we think about what God has done for us, it makes it much easier to do it. Because you see, you and I are his children. I had a friend one time, did a, he was Rudy the Root Bear Bear. And at A&W, he would be in the South where he would wear this uniform call and they'd call him Rudy. And then in the night school, they all kidded him because they called May Rudy. But Rudy was identified as that way. And first he was embarrassed. But then after a while, he was proud to do it. Because he got his friends sometimes floats and stuff like that. We're living in a society that people are trying to identify themselves and they're confused. And we can say to them, I have an identity. My identity comes from God. The Bible says, He made me in the image of Himself. And He made you particularly in the image of yourself. But looking like Him. That's what He wants to see in you. There are so many young people who are confused about this. Because our world is giving them all this philosophy that's baloney. And they're living in delusion. And the Bible says to them, God created you and made you and formed you in the womb of your mother. And he made you with specific things that are important to me, God is saying. Not to you, not to the world, but to me. And because of that, you can be my child by adoption. And I will free you from this craziness. And you can be a fearless child. Proud of the parent that you have, which is God our Father. And that will make you strong. And what is necessary in life. But it comes by the saving work of God through grace. It's that amazing grace that we sing about. Remember when we singing? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Was grace that brought me safe this far. And it's the grace that's going to lead me home. This is what Paul is talking about. And the more we understand that grace, the more power into our lives is fed. And people will grow. Then he talks about the roles that we're to bear. Look what he says. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. So they may please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes... As an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. 
And then the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive the share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And what Paul is saying here, understand this. You're going to understand this by the power of the Holy Spirit that's working inside you to make you understand this. But he uses three metaphors for us. Number one, he uses the soldier. You and I are in a battle. Whether or not you believe it or not, we are in a battle for the world. We're in the battle for America. We're in the battle for our own hometown. Because you see the value system in our culture is disseminating. We've talked about how much being stolen out of all the properties that are here at Walmart and, and Quick Trip, $40,000 a month out of Quick Trip? Are you kidding me? We're supposed to be a nation under God. Thou shalt not steal is not that and that one for a lot of people today. And Paul is saying to us, we're in a battle. Join in as a battle. And when you do things, do things that are in the affair of today. You know, we get so distracted over foolish things. Think about yourself. I see it in my own life. How sometimes little foolish things get my attention and distract me from what's really big and important. And we have to join the battle as soldiers. Number one, the battle with inside of us to discipline ourselves. To be able to be strong in the faith. To have the inner side. Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and saying no to the world. We also need the battle outside. Friends and families that are joining in other games and plays that are not healthy. Do we let them go? Do we not say anything? Or do we say something to them and try to strike up a conversation, try to help them to see the value system that they're choosing is going the wrong way? And guess what? This is not for pansies. Because when you bring these things up, you know what's going to happen. You're going to have people angry at you. They're not going to always be pleased with you. But this is the battle. And as soldiers, we play. A soldier doesn't allow himself to be held back. He's under orders. And he wants the best for his country. We want the best for our God and for people that they see that the best thing for them is what God wants for them. And so we have to be focused and help them to see that. Oh, to talk to a mother who's allowing her child to be a furry. Oh, you bring Mama Bear out of the closet, boy, and you're going to get clobbered. But they need to hear it. It's scary that they're allowing their children to play this foolish game. That's a delusion. And they're not helping them. And we as soldiers of the cross need to expect opposition from the enemy. We need to be vigilant we need to stay the course. We need to work hard to loving people even when they're not lovely towards us. And let me tell you, they can be. I had a mother mad at me the other day and boy, oh boy, I got the wrath. But her son is not getting it and she's not getting it because she's letting her son do that stuff. Please save his life. Then Paul talks about the athlete. The athlete competes. 
And he pushes forward and he pushes onward. He works to exercise. There were rules that they had in those days for athletes. They had to be, number one, born Greek. Number two, they had to prepare at least ten weeks for the race that they were going to run. And that they also had to compete according to specific rules. We know that. We've seen that. Think about the people that we know have been eliminated from superstardom because they cheated. Golfers. Rick Wendell. He broke the rules. He violated and he lost the title. Think about Lance Armstrong. Everybody was praising him. This biker, he was, and here he was doping. He was putting juice in his body to make him win. And wind up getting disqualified and banned from any biking in the world. Because he was lying and he was cheating. And we need to run according to the rules. We need to also be able to willing to be hurt sometimes. Sometimes some of the most, biggest hurts I've experienced is people in the church. People you love with and you walk along with. And this is nothing new. David in Psalm 55. He said, it's not my enemies is my problem. He says, it's you who I go to the temple with. That were hurting him. And sometimes that happens. But you're still called to love. Even when you're wounded. Today there are people going to be out playing in that silly football game. That are hurt. But they don't want to pass this opportunity up of a lifetime to play in the Super Bowl. And they're willing to play hurt. And we as Christians, when we love people, there are times you're going to be hurt by people that you love. They're going to disagree with you. But you still love them. You still try to show them the truth. Because their eternal destiny is on the line. We need to see that very boldly. And we need to compete in the contest. Even when we're exhausted. When we're tired. We want to give up. We want to just throw in the towel. That we're willing to play hurt. And that we can be a spiritual playmaker. In people's lives. Sometimes that's hard to do. And that we don't stop. We don't stop running. I remember <laughs> one of the great examples of watching somebody play. Some of you may have seen this or your parents talked about it. A guy by the name of Lou Gehrig, the Iron Horse. Who played 2,130 games in his career consecutively. And he came down with ALS, which is now known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He played right up into the end, even as his body deteriorated. And that's what we need to do. We need to fight into the end that we don't give up. We don't stop running. 
In Hebrews it says, take, don't. It says, when you run the race, fix your eyes on Jesus. And run. Run. One of the biggest mistakes many players made, I made it. I'll never forget. I was on base in baseball and a hit came and I was rounding third. And my coach is going, go, 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 go. And I doubted him. And I turned around and looked. And in that hesitation, I gave enough time for that outfielder to get the ball in his hand. And if I would have not doubted the coach, but had just listened to him and went, I would have been safe at the plate. But because I hesitated and doubted the coach, I come sliding in. I hear this guy with this blue hat on saying, you're out, turkey. <laughs> but it was my fault. Because instead of keeping my eye on the coach and listening to him, I had a moment. Not that long, but enough to give the outfielder a little bit more time to get that ball into the plate. And I was out. You know, there's amazing to me. I, 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 I love the game of baseball. And that's why today I, I, I don't know what happened, but I got some of these, you know, and, and, and there's some people who got reputations that didn't play very well and were very not nice people, even though they're well known. A guy by the name of Ty Cobb. He was the most terrifying baseball stealer of bases in baseball. Before a game, he would sharpen his cleats, his steel cleats, so he would put some hurt on people. And everybody knew if he was sliding in, somebody's getting hurt and it wasn't him. And they would consider him almost a sadistic, crazy and he made a lot of people pay for getting him out. But he was the first millionaire baseball player. And it wasn't because of the money he made, but it's because he took most of his money invested it in GE and Coca-Cola stock. And when he retired, he was a millionaire which was unique in those days. Ballplayers get paid that much. But he took most of his money and put it in stocks. Well, now in 1961, Ty Cobb is in Emory Hospital in Atlanta, dying of cancer. And a man by the name of Bobby Richardson, who at that time was uh, coaching at Liberty University, the baseball team. He came to see Ty Cobb. And he said to Ty, are you ready to meet the Lord? And Ty Cobb knew he wasn't. And so he talked to Cobb and he said, 
well, here's what God has done for you. And he shared to him the gospel, how Jesus died for him and would wash away all his sins. And all he had to do is accept Jesus into his heart. And that day, Ty Cobb, dying in the hospital, received Christ. But then he said something that was really interesting. He said to Bobby Richardson after the prayer, he said, you do me a favor? He said, tell the boys that I'm sorry I waited until the bottom of the ninth inning to get right with God. I wish now that I had done it at the top of the first. He wanted to apologize to all the people that he was ruthless with. And that God had forgiven him for. You see, this is what God wants us to do. To be the bridge, like Bobby was, to tie. And finally, the Bible says to us, too, we need to be farmers. Hardworking. Willing to study. Get to know God better every day in our lives. So that we're ready at any moment and any time to be able to share the faith that's in us. I know several years ago, there's a friend of mine who had gone through a very bad experience in his life. And I remember trying to talk to him about faith. He still wasn't ready. You see, what farmers do is they plant seed. And they wait. Some of you may know farmers. Some people say they're the best gamblers in the world. Because they throw those seed down and it's very expensive and it could easily be washed away by rain or it could be drought. And it's interesting when you drop seed and you don't hear for a long time. Some 36 years ago I dropped seed with a woman who on the street was mocking what we were doing. And I can remember her giving us a hard time and saying that Jesus stuff was all baloney. <laughs> and you know how you do is that when you share the faith, when we're walking away, we try to pray for them and hope what you say to them takes root. And we would do that. And she was one of them. She was a, a gal who was a real hard-nosed, drug-dealing gal in the street. And she would mock and say, you think you're going to convert me? you got to be kidding. Well, about a year ago, two women from my brother's church were going to an abortion uh, center where they would talk to girls who were thinking about getting abortion and try to tell them that there's a better way that they can have life. And they try to talk girls out of abortion and they have this hotline. And as these two women were leaving the nine o'clock shift and then they only had one person on it from nine o'clock until the next morning because usually uh, they only needed one person there. They started talking to this girl 
And guess what? That girl that was mocking us, they said to her, yeah, well, we used to know a guy that worked up there by the name of Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave? Yeah, I used to mock him all the time. And then one day, I found out what he said about Jesus was true. I have not seen him probably in 35, 40 years. That was seed that was left some 37 years ago had finally come to fruition in her life. And now she was counseling women to not have abortions because she feels God called her to do that because she had two of her own. And now she's remorseful that she killed God's children that he had given her. But now she has the Lord and she knows she's forgiven. But she's giving herself to doing that. See what God does. And so the Apostle Paul then says, these understandings come to us as we grow in Christ. And as we let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And then he says, remember Christ who's risen from the dead, descendant of David. And if you notice, he's given the two sides of Jesus. One, that he's the risen Lord, God. And two, that he's a descendant of David, that he represents us as human beings on earth, according to the gospel. And see, this is what it's all about. Paul is saying, Timothy, it's about Jesus. It's not about you, not about your insecurities, not about your fears. It's about Jesus. And that you can be grateful that I'm in prison. For which I am suffer hardship and imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not in prison. He says, you see this? I've been put in prison because of sharing this. And guess what? The gospel is still going out. It doesn't affect negatively the gospel. What's positive is what God is doing. And that's why he says, I can endure all these hardships. I can go through all these difficulties for the sake of those who are chosen, who God will bring into my life and who I can lead so that they may obtain this salvation. This is what it's all about, Timothy. And if we look to Jesus, the ultimate example, he gives us that. And that he will give us the strength that we need by his grace. And then finally... He gives an epigram. This is a wonderful comfort to all of us, folks. He says to Timothy, Timothy, get hold of this. And this was a kind of like, they think it was a little hymn back in Paul's day. But they kept it, they call it an epigram. And what an epigram is, is just a short statement, succinct statements about what Paul's speaking about. And he summarizes for us what God is for Timothy and for you and for me. And look what he says. It's a trustworthy statement. If we die with him, we will be also made alive with him. That means we're going to be resurrected. And if we endure, as Jesus did, we will also reign with him. You see, people have this odd view of heaven thinking that they're just going to be running around on a cloud playing a harp. 
The Bible says that you and I are going to be judging angels. Do you realize that? That in heaven you will reign with Christ. You will make judgments. That's what he's saying here. You will reign. But then he gives a negative. If we deny him, we say we don't have anything to do with him. Well, he's going to deny us too. But then... He gives us one more quip. If we are faithless, and let me tell you, we all sin. We all stumble. There are times we fall flat on our face as Christians. As Paul says in Romans 8, the very things I want to do, I don't do. The very things I don't want to do, I do. What help is there? And Paul says here again, even when you are faithless, you commit a sin. Think of some of the great believers in the Bible who committed sin. Abraham, David, Peter. Look what it says. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The very character of God is such that he made promises to you and to me. He'll never deny his character. And even when we're messing up, he still remains faithful, waiting for us to clean up. He'll clean us up and get us back on our feet because that's who he is. You know, it's kind of like, how many of you have ever seen, well, we've seen it here in Wichita a lot. Everybody, a new restaurant opens and everybody's got to be there. Everybody can't wait to get in there and then it's around for a couple of months and all of a sudden you start seeing it dwindling down. And then nobody is hardly there anymore. And they wind up going out of business. See, that's not what God's about. He's the greatest and that nothing diminishes his faithfulness even though we may be unfaithful he is faithful to us we're his children let's pray together Heavenly Father I just want to thank you so much for your faithfulness to us how wonderful that is as Lord, you know our imperfections, our insecurities, our fears, our doubts. And yet you remain faithful to us. I praise you, Lord, for being such an awesome God. I pray for these, your folks, as they go out into this world as soldiers, as athletes competing in a world of darkness, as farmers continuing to sow in their own souls as they read the word and as they put it into practice in their lives. And as you continue to use them, help them as we help us all to stand on your grace that carries us through to the end. We thank you for it so much, God. And we thank you for Jesus who made it possible. And it's in your name we pray.
Amen. Let's stand together as we've received the benediction and we sing our closing song. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. Amen. But I know.